Thank you again for showing up for another episode of Boss Up with Mr. Key with your host, Andre Key. And uh, we have a pretty interesting guest today. Um, If you don't know it about me, I'm really into historical events. Uh, The Kingdom of Mansa Musa, Genghis Khan, Game 6, Michael Jordan, Utah Jazz. (laughs) But today's guest is also a part of some historical events in U.S. history and is also the owner of Anchor Star Wealth. Uh, without further ado, I'd like to introduce our guest, Steve Anchorstar. Hey, Steve, thank you for showing up today. Appreciate hey, it. Hey, Andre, you bet. I uh, love being here and I've uh, listened to your show and I'm ready to boss up with Andre and uh, let's go. Just to kind of kick it all off, man, tell us where it all began. Like, where were you walking around in diapers? Well, there you go. Well, I was a military brat. So uh, what that means is, you know, I was all over the place. I was actually adopted. My parents tried to have kids, couldn't have kids. Um, So I was adopted. I was born in Mobile, Alabama. Mm. And then, you know, bounced around to Florida, out to California, D.C., Iowa, and then into Cincinnati for kind of what I would call the formative uh, years. And, you know, it was interesting. A, a, a military kid is generally pretty, since I have all these different experiences, yeah. uh, pretty grounded uh, for, you know, a, a lot of different scenarios uh, that they've seen. It started with, you know, kindergarten in California at an all, wow. all white school. And, and then uh, the D.C. experience, basically, uh, we had segregation going on, the yeah. initiatives of the 70s. Uh, reverse segregation in this case i'm you know white child dc going to was white chocolate city well right? it, was a, it was an all-black school that <laughs> yeah. i went to for first and second grade and you know you're, the beauty about kids is you don't know any different right yeah. you're just like okay we're sure. just trying to meet friends and there you who, go what do we have in and, common and then i leave there and go to iowa oh. which is 100 the other way <laughs> yeah. uh so bounced around uh you know ended up in cincinnati where um you know my dad was an rotc instructor there uh, so queen city so, so yeah, so I identify uh, uh, Cincinnati as home until mm-hmm. I moved to Texas. And now that I've lived here longer than there, uh, that's, uh, you know, identify as a Texan now. Impo- okay. Imported Texan. Imported Texan. I mean, especially in Austin, there's a lot of imported Texans here. There really is. And we, you know, we'll, we'll get to that, but uh, Austin's a very unique and amazing place and we wouldn't, wouldn't rather be anywhere else. And we would love it here. Got it. Got it. So let's go back. Let's, uh, let's talk about high school. Which state were you in high school at? So by the time I got to high school, I'm in Cincinnati. Okay. So, um, you know, three sport athlete, uh, you know, it was, it was, it had to switch a little bit. It was football, uh, basketball and baseball growing up, got Mm -hmm. to high school. Um, I grew, uh, you know, I'm, I'm six five. Uh, I finished eighth grade. I was six foot tall, and then uh-huh. I started high school three months later. I was six five. Man, you got lucky. And, well, <laughs> I, I, I got lucky. Thank you. And I wouldn't trade being tall for anything in the world. Um, but growing five inches in three months, uh, I couldn't walk. So I was going to say, <laughs> I went from being pretty good at every you know the sports. Well, I was good because I was tall. I'll give it. You know, I'll say that. I mean, that it's its own advantage. Uh, but certainly, you know, I went from you know, pretty good athlete to where, you know, the high school is looking forward to getting me. And then mm-hmm. I show up and I can hardly walk. You know. <laughs> I can barely tie your shoes. Yeah, I was <laughs> the, uh, you know, the, ba- the baby giraffe on, on roller skates or trying to walk on ice or something. <laughs> and so, uh, so I was able to kind of continue on in basketball, uh, but absolutely loved, uh, you know, the Cincinnati area, oh, nice. uh, you know, their, their fans just like anywhere, but yeah. you know, the Bengals fans are a little in- insane yeah. and, and uh, Reds. love it. And the Reds, this is the seventies, right? So the uh-huh. big red machine was going mm. on. So it was, it was a really a great place to, to grow up. Let's let me find out about, you know, so obviously it was you in Cincinnati. Um, it's kind of like where you're grounded at. 
Um, what was the sibling dynamic? You're the oldest, any only child? Yeah, so I'm an only child. Mm-hmm. So since I was adopted, you know, my parents were it was a you know adopted in you know I'm, I was born in 1969. So mm-hmm. um, by the time they couldn't have you know figured out they couldn't have kids and mm-hmm. they got me, then they're like, okay, one's enough. So mm-hmm. I grew up in an interesting dynamic, being an only child. Yeah. And, and I tell you know I when somebody says, yeah, we just have one child, I kind of give the the, the joke, uh, it's kind of not a joke, but I said, well, I was an only child and I turned out okay. Um, <laughs> because there is a little different dynamic mm. when there's just one child and you get the full attention of both parents. Yeah, uh, I would say that that's one of the benefits I had. Um, but I can also see, I've seen scenarios where the only child turns into a, a menace to society, right? Yeah, because they're spoiled. Yeah. They always have everything and they, everything's they about them. It's so self-centered. Yeah, right? they, they never, they never had to fight for anything for, mm-hmm. from a sibling. And the, the, the first time I realized the only child dynamic was when I got to college and, and I ordered a pizza and I lived in a fraternity. So I ordered a pizza, which, right. you know, I ordered food before it's not in itself a big deal. Uh, but when I got it, I was just like. Hey, I'm going to, you know, this is for me and I'm going to eat a little bit today and, you know, I'm going to save the rest for tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. That, that did not fly. <laughs> Everybody's like, cool, you ordered pizza and everybody started reaching into it. I was like, no, what? Like frat brothers like, hey, like, we're brothers. Like, like, what's going on here? Um, but yeah, only child. So it was uh, just just me grew up in the in the country there in Ohio. Okay, okay and, good. Uh, yeah. Did your dad in the, um in the summers like have you in the fields like shucking corn or? Anything? Well, my my dad he he retired from the Air Force as well, and we'll get to it. I know, but I, but I, you know, then I went in the Air Force, but mm. um and you know he knew that from early on I was doing really pretty good in school, and he knew I wanted to kind of go into go into the Air Force, be mm-hmm. an engineer, all those sorts of things, which I which I did. But he also was pretty good at wanting to teach me uh, the lessons of life. So, you know, in my teen years, I started kind of cutting grass. And then mm-hmm. one summer uh, he said, uh, you're going to bail hay. And I was, I was, I was like, uh, me talking to him. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, so I, I don't know, you know, $4 now or whatever it was. Yeah. It was a lot of money back then. But yeah, so I bailed hay for a little bit. And, uh, you know, and he said, these are these are motivators for you to do good in school because, Ooh, you know yeah. what, you don't want to be doing this when you're when you're 30, 40 or 50. And all. I said, I don't want to be doing it right now. Um, <laughs> uh, and then um, my first real job in high school was working at a golf course and I was a maintenance guy, which uh-huh. sounds sounds cool until you realize that means you go around and clean the toilets. I the, did. The, well, I did so. something different. I had to like switch where the holes were at on the putting greens. Like <laughs> there, I didn't know they see, did that. That. <laughs> that was like levels above where I was. Right. So maybe if I worked for like there for like two to three years, I could get up to nah, it. It was community service. It didn't last. (laughs) Great. So I want to kind of go back just a little bit because obviously you're in the financial uh, investment Mm -hmm. world. Did you get any gems at that point in life from your parents or school or maybe that came along later in life? I did. Uh, I I was very fortunate in the fact that our school, Lebanon High School, a little shout out there, Mm -hmm. um, they taught a course in your freshman year called Essentiology. Hmm. But yeah, you're right. That's most people's reaction is, hmm. Uh, it was how to balance, you know, the, the idea of a checkbook and a bank account and the just because you have checks doesn't mean you have money uh, and how to how to write a check. And the idea of, you know, in a car, you know, buying a car. We both have girls that I know your your daughter has a car. Mine, mm-hmm. mine my youngest doesn't yet, but uh, getting there. It's common. Uh, yeah. Teaching, you know, things that like gas costs money and, and insurance and kind of mm-hmm. how all that works. And part of that was investing. And it was more of the the basic time value of money. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you start early and do, do a little bit, you know, later on, you'll be thank your, your older self will thank your younger self. Mm-hmm. So we had that. And I also had a math teacher that 
was really good about the, he also sold insurance on the side. I didn't realize that at the time, but you know, it was good with the time value of money. So yeah. he, he, he sat me in front of this chart and he, he's like, this is really the eighth wonder of the world. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I'm a math guy. I looked at it and went, yeah, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> uh, just start young. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I try, I try to explain the time value of money to my clients. It's like, Oh, I just want to wait until the prices that go up. But then the prices of the other houses that you have to get into right. are going to go up. Like it's kind of a wash, like the time value of money. It doesn't mean that when your price goes up, like you'll have this cash and the inflation doesn't keep up with what you're trying to buy. So that's a good principle. I like that one. Yeah. All right. Good. Good. So in high school, playing sports, uh, you know, you, you had this class, which is key. I think that should be mm -hmm. a part of the curriculum now. I don't think it is. It isn't. <laughs> I haven't heard of any place that has it, but it was really worthwhile. Yeah, that was huge. Yeah. So you decide to go to the Air Force. It sounds like, hey, your dad was in the Air Force and that was probably something that influenced you to go. Well, I would say uh, I, I was kind of drafted and mm. people are like, well, they haven't had a draft. Uh, I was about to say, man, yeah, you're you really showing a, your age. Right? You, you haven't had a draft since Vietnam. And I'm like, well, unless your dad's in the military, then sometimes you get drafted. Right. Uh, you know, you know what I mean? I thought it was um, like the only child couldn't get drafted or something. You had to have at least another brother. Or right. Something. Well, yeah, those, those are the rules. But my dad, uh, you know, he said, hey, come in to, you know, take high school ROTC. Okay. Um, and you know, if you, if you do well and your grades are up, uh, you can get a scholarship that way. And I'm like, Oh, I like, you know, I like money. And he, you know, he's like, yeah, you can go to school for free and then go on into the air force. And I'm like, you know, all of that sounds good. Mm -hmm. And there's no commitment to go into high school ROTC. Uh, the only challenge is, is when you're, you know, kind of popular and athletic and, uh, you know, you're wearing a uniform, there can be some negative yeah. peer pressure, yeah. uh, from <laughs> your, your friend group. But you know, if people that are well adjusted, you know, understand and respect that people like yeah. different things. So, so I was having to wear a uniform in high school and dealing with, you know, a little bit of <laughs> jabs from my, uh, you know, especially the athlete buddies. Or, <laughs> right. Yeah. So, the jocks, man. <laughs> so, but yeah, it, it, it worked out. So, you know, that kind of, that planted the seeds okay. for going into the military service. And, and then as, as completely pathetic as this is, there were two formative things from high school that literally changed my life to this point today. And, and I speak quite a bit. So, okay. uh, and I always talk about, there was a show called family ties, um, which I don't know if, if, if yeah, you're old enough ties, to uh, yeah. with Fred Savage, or, uh, what was the name? Yeah. Alex, yeah. Alex P. Keaton was the young investor. Uh, uh, it was Michael J. Fox was the yeah, actor. Okay. That one. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, so yeah, so he carried, you know, he's a nerd in high school carrying a briefcase in a wall street <laughs> journal. And I, you know, I just heard all this math about time value money. And if I just start putting away, you know, $25 now, that's going to be mega millions later on. And, and I'm like, well, I, I want all that. So let's do that. Right. Um, so I was convinced that I was going to go to college. I wanted to be an engineer and I was good at math. So I'm like, I'm going to do engineering and then math and then go into finance mm -hmm. instead of taking finance. It's just kind of a weird way to get to it. And then my, so that was what I was going to do until right. my junior year of high school. Uh, I went to the movie theater with my friend, not thinking anything was going to change that night. And uh -oh. I saw, I saw Top Gun uh -oh. <laughs> and, and I walked out of Top Gun. You know, I was, I was in awe the whole oh, movie, the, ori the original. Yeah. Um, Top Gun 2 was pretty good too. We do, we had a client event last year for, where I brought, brought a bunch <laughs> of folks in. Um, but yeah, I saw the Top Gun and I, I walked out of the theater and I said, turned to my buddy, Mike, best friend from high school. And I said, Dude, that's what I want to do the rest nice. of my life. And you can imagine what happened then. He laughed. <laughs> All right. right. He's like, yeah, yeah, sure, whatever, dude. <laughs> I went home and told my parents. And even though my dad was in the in the Air Force, he never got to fly. Oh, okay. And he's like, you know, and it, you, in the position you are as a parent, right, you 
you want to motivate your kids and uh-huh. for the parents out there, I mean, you want to do your best to motivate your kid, but mm-hmm. your biggest block as a parent is you, you see them as the diaper wearing little kid. Did he have doubt? Like well, sometimes you doubt yeah. your kids. Like, ah, you can't do it's that. It's just one of those. Yeah. He's like, you know, Steve, you're an amazing kid. You know, I'm like, oh, here we go. Right? Yeah. <laughs> you're an amazing kid and you're really smart. And he goes, you know, I've worked for, with fighter pilots and, 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 you know, it's just like that, that's really tough to get to do, which yeah, is, yeah. you know, kind of that veiled, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think that's going to be your future. Um, <laughs> but you know, he was in the air force, so he's, but he was, they were supportive and they sure, let, you know, let, let, let's go, right? Let's start. Let's join yeah. the air force. And, see and, and so, so yeah, so, you know, a whole a bunch of people, you start, I started telling people yeah. about it, like, I'm going to be a fighter pilot and mm-hmm. you know, I'm 17 and. It took a few years later to finally get there, but but I did eventually. You so. spoke it into fruition. So uh, yeah. you joined the Air Force. Mm-hmm. Like, how was that journey becoming? You know, basic training to being able to be a fighter. I mean, to fly a plane. Yeah. So it's a little different for officers. So when okay. you think most people think the military, you go off to basic training yeah. uh, for the Air Force. It's down in San Antonio, mm-hmm. um, and then you. That's how when you join right out of high school. Okay. Uh, and you go right into the enlisted corps and go you off went right and, into and officer training. So I did. So I went to college first. Okay. There you so go. I, my grades were good and, uh, you know, we applied for an air force scholarship and got it. So, uh, ended up going to do Iowa state, nice. uh, to college. And then from there I was commissioned and got into flight school after that. So it was, it's kind of a longer path. So, you know, 22 years old or so is when I'm stepping out the door and actually now, uh, trying to compete to get into to, to flight training. Mm-hmm. Um, but at that point, you're paid a little bit better. I was already, I got my engineering degree. Right. Uh, and then I was ready to like, hey. Whoa, hold on. How many uh, years, did you, how long did it take you to get your engineering degree? They told me five years. Yeah, to four and a half was, oh, okay, the, okay. was, the, was the fastest we could do it. But the best part, it was all, it was all paid for. So for, nice. for folks out there considering military service, you know, a little bit of a, mm-hmm. a, you know, a shout out is there's lots of money there for, for education, mm-hmm. whether it's enlisted or officer. Um, so, you know, pursue that, especially if money's nice. a concern, mm-hmm. um, you know, if you, if you're lazy and don't want to go to school, then it doesn't matter if the money's there. Yeah, right. You but if you're trying things. to kick and scream and do whatever you can to get there, it's a great way to at least start in the military and let them pay for a lot of your education. You can nice. figure out what you want to do with your life later on. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> so, all right, man, um, you sitting in the cockpit of a plane, you're six, five. Yeah, I saw Top Gun too, and Tom Cruise is probably like five three. Like, yeah, if that, right? Uh, <laughs> How'd you fit in one of those? The uh, so not very well <laughs> is the is the big picture. Um, there was a uh, you know you go in and there's height requirements, and mm-hmm. you can be too short or too tall. Right. Uh, so I was out in California, and I was going through my flight physical. I'd already gotten picked up for flight training. Because you, you apply with a board, so it's a paper review, right? A folder of grades and work performance and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. then you write the, here's why I want to be a pilot. Um, my boss had done great great work for so he hand-wrote the application. And basically, okay, nice. uh, uh, Lance Lord, thank you, uh, changed mm-hmm. my life by you handwriting that application and got me uh, in the door. They, they picked 18 of us out of uh, 400 and some nice. uh, to get in. And so I had to go through the physical. And, mm-hmm. I, and I walk in. And, uh, the person that was helping me was, was really pretty short around, you know, she's probably five, two or so, or, yeah. it, you know, it's tough cause everybody's kind of short to me, but, you know, <laughs> the, but so her job is to, you know, height, weight, all that stuff. Right. right. And she, she goes to, to measure me and, you know, so it's, you the, get a step stool well, it's the old school, right. You, know, <laughs> yeah. you have the thing and the, the flap comes down or whatever. So, so I kind of said, I'm, I'm like, Hey, I can just tell you if you want. She's like, Oh yes, please, sir. And, and, uh, and so I'm like, you know, uh, you know, I'm six, four. 
Mm-hmm. So she wrote that down six, four mm-hmm. and kind of like, well, just barely above six, four. Uh, and so I get down to flight school. I walk in the door and you know, the guy checking us in kind of is looking at my folder and he's like six, four, huh? And I'm like, yes, sir. <laughs> he goes, all right, two measurements matter. Uh, your sitting height, so you can get the canopy closed, uh, uh, and then your uh, the bone that goes from your hip to your knee, uh, you know that can only be so long because if you have to eject out of the airplane, you get stuck. you don't want to you don't want to cut off get cut off your knees, <laughs> right? You know, leave your your shins in the uh, in the airplane. Oh no! Um, so I measured both of those, and he goes, "You're right at the the certain point um, that you can just go. met it." So I just made it. I was maxed out on both, which was mm-hmm. just fortunate. Um, there are some waivers. Uh, Chad Hennings played football for the Cowboys. Uh-huh. Um, there are certain planes that if you are outside of the normal measurements, they mm-hmm. can fit you in. And Chad Hennings was a lineman for the Cowboys. So, you know, he's like six, seven, 300. So he Man. flew in the A-10. So the A-10 yeah. has the one cockpit he could fit in. And if you're on the short side, uh, helicopters are your best option. You mm-hmm. can't fly fighters, but if you're for something, you can still fly helicopters. Uh, you know, it wow. just kind of works out that way. <laughs> so with the fighter, I mean, I, I've taken some uh, pilot lessons and mm-hmm. it's like you have to be a scientist, a weatherman. You have to be, you know, have some rhythm to be able to move the gears. You know, What type of training did you have to go through for that? Well, I, I speak to kids a lot and what I like to tell them and they, they only listen to one third of it. Uh, but, <laughs> but I say you have to be, you know, to, to set yourself up for success in a dynamic environment that's fast paced where you have to be in, in shape. And, you know, flying a fighter is a lot like boxing. Mm-hmm. You, you train and you train and you train. But when it's, you know, time to you know, kill or be killed. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like a boxing match of intensity. Ah. Right. So, so I said, okay, kids, here, here's how to be a fighter pilot is you got to be good at sports. You got to be really good at school, heavy emphasis on math, mm-hmm. and you have to be really good at video games. So of mm. course, what do kids hear? Video games. <laughs> they go home and tell their parents, mom, dad, this guy at school, he's really cool. He's a, uh, you know, fighter pilot. He told me I need to be playing video games all the time. And it's like, that's not what I said. <laughs> right. You know it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's hand-eye coordination and, you know, physical, uh, used to be in pretty, pretty, uh, peak shape. Um, mm-hmm. and it's, it's really, it's intense. Uh, it's boring most of the time, but when you get to the actual mission itself, yeah. uh, it's super intense. Mm-hmm. And again, your life's on the line and yeah. you're the only one in the airplane. So it's, it's, you it's, have to you be know, able to stay. You're, you're, you're a nobody. smooth laid back yeah. guy. Like you had to be able to stay calm during those situations. I bet. Yeah. Part of it is you train so hard that you do not, you, you kind of train out your emotions. You don't even think about yeah, it. You're yeah. just, you know what to do and you're just mm-hmm. trying to do it as best as you can and as fast as you can and trying to outreact, you know, outreact the other guy. Nah. Um, so there's really not of emotions involved in it. You know, we'll parlay it later, but you know, mm-hmm. when, when folks talk about investing, you know, emotions are, are generally your worst nightmare, right? Mm-hmm. You're, you're, you're getting emotionally involved in what you saw on CNBC or something and you make a stupid, stupid yeah, move. That's the same thing. If, if you and I are out there fighting, I'm doing the best I can, but I'm really waiting for you to make a mistake. Mm-hmm. As soon as I can see a mistake, I'm going to capitalize on that mistake. Mm-hmm. Um, and if that ends the fight, then that ends the, the fight. fight yeah. We call it good, right? Hey, so, right. <laughs> so you, so you got to pay laser-like attention, uh, you know, for every second along the way. All right. So I, I started this conversation with saying, hey, some historical events. Um, <laughs> I'm sure you've taken part in some historical events. I know the story, but um, shock and awe. Like, yeah, that's a historical event for the you know you know United States, Iraq. You know, tell us your part that you played in that. Sure, um, you know, shock and awe to stage set a little bit. Um, you know, we're twenty that's twenty years ago this week, which is why mm-hmm. it's kind of been in in the news uh, lately. And I've done a few interviews this week. 
Um, but to stage that for everybody, if you remember 9-11, everybody knows where they were. Here's some some planes hitting towers. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, it becomes apparent that it's a, a terrorist attack, attack yeah. right? And so it's not just, uh, you know, a bad a bad day. It's it's an attack on the United States, which we haven't seen since anybody's really, you know, most people weren't well, alive. Pearl at, Harbor, right? Pearl right? Harbor, right? Yeah. So 41. Um, so it's a big deal. And, you know, military, U.S. being who they are and the military being who they are, it's like somebody did this. So it's like I'm ready to kick some butt and we need to act fast. Who, who, who's it going to be? Hmm. So I went home that day, packed my bags and, you know, they said, hey, come back and we'll, we'll let you know where you're going um, to, to, to avenge this attack. Right. Mm-hmm. So um, so some time goes by, you know, with terrorist organizations, they all take credit for it, for credibility. Right. Yeah, so, yeah, so everybody but the guys who did it are raising their hands saying we did it. And it's like, well, we know you didn't do it. Yeah, so we had you, you wish we would come give you the credibility of kicking your butt, you know. Right? <laughs> right. So, um, so anyhow, so a year, a year goes by or so. Then you start President Bush was in the, the younger one was in office at the time, mm-hmm. started doing, you know, he started hearing talk about axis of evil, mm, uh, which yeah, Iraq was that. part of that. And then Saddam Hussein had to go because he was using, he had weapons of mass destruction that he was using against his own people. Mm. And then the most respected military person that I've ever met, Colin Powell, yeah. uh, takes a stage at the United Nations and says this is a slam dunk case. And, you know, if he says it, it's got to be have, true. We have to go. Uh, so in we go and we go to remove Saddam Hussein from power. And, and you know, the, historically that did, it didn't turn out what we thought was true wasn't true. Mm. Um, and those are how things work. Yeah. Um, but won't go into the politics no, of that. No, but this time. My, my personal, uh, how did I get involved? I was flying the F-117 stealth fighter uh, at the time, which is this little, uh, little triangle uh, airplane that's stealth. It goes in and you poke the uh, eyes and ears out. It's like the kicker on a football team. Uh, you're, you're, you're the first one out there, first one to touch the ball. And you go downtown over large cities and poke out the you know command centers and surface air missiles, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And since, you know, since I was flying that, I had flown that for a while. I was already an instructor in the airplane. I was one of the valued, you know, valued leaders, if you will. And they picked a lineup to go overseas. So we Mm -hmm. went overseas. And then out of that lineup, a subset was to who gets to go in on night one. Wow. Uh, So very fortunate to have dedicated my life to getting really good in the airplane. So I made the list and uh, through a whole series of events, I ended up being the the first one in to drop the first bomb. Wow, man, that's like... I don't know, man. I mean, obviously, you know, destruction and war is something, you know, but it is right. necessary. And sometimes, man, did you get a piece of strapno or something <laughs> that you got hanging in your wall just to show? Well, I do. I'll uh, out on my personal Facebook page. Uh, one of the things that pilots do, especially if you're if you drop bombs, is you you have a piece of chalk right there and you get to write on the on the actual bomb and oh, you can write okay. a little choice message if you want you know right. to, to the in, <laughs> to the enemy uh irene and i uh which i know you know irene uh we're only dating at the time oh, okay so i put for you irene on the front of the first bomb and then at the bottom uh, i was a big pulp fiction fan oh, growing up nice. so i put ezekiel twenty five seventeen, the path of the righteous man Hmm. Uh, so I wrote that on the front of the bomb, and then the crew chiefs, uh, the other folks, get behind the the first ring, get to write all kinds of choice phrases, uh, most of which aren't ready for uh, you know public consumption. <laughs> yeah, I can only um, imagine. <laughs> but yeah, so we write on these bombs, and then the I have the when a bomb releases from the airplane. Uh, the bomb leaves and the way it activates is there's a cable that basically pulls oh. the fuse. And that, that's what the pilots keep from their bombing okay, missions is you have, pin, that little, like kind you of have that little cable. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, uh, flew in uh, night one, took out a command center in an underground bunk- bunker. Uh, mm-hmm. Flew night two, had some problems with the airplane, so I couldn't get in and, and drop my weapons that night. 
Um, and then night three, you took out a palace. If you remember, the uh, palaces were out over the water. Mm-hmm. There was one, one road out. Um, there were two of them, <clears throat> and we were supposed to take out both of them. Uh, I took mine out with two bombs, uh, smithereens. It was uh, pretty unique to see mm-hmm. from the air. Wow, and then man. it was a show of force target. It was just telling Saddam Hussein, it's like, look, we asked you to, to leave Bye. power voluntarily. Now we're going to show we you. We mean that, business. Show you that, yeah, you don't want to uh, inspire the United States to take away your toys because we will. Mm-hmm. Um, but then the other one, they, there were, a bomb went through the roof, but it didn't explode. So the Army, uh, actually, I should say the ground forces, used that as their headquarters. They're like, wait, don't blow that up. That's too cool. So, so, uh, <laughs> nice. so they used the other one for, for headquarters there. Nice, nice. So, okay. So you, you spent your time and that that's definitely like i don't know too many people that have experienced that um so you did 20 years how many years do you do i did a full 20 20 uh, retired military, retired so i get the uh the you know retirement pay so they don't pay you a, a tremendous amount in the military you, yeah. you're comfortable i don't want to complain about military pay you're all you always have what you need yeah you but you certainly you aren't on a path to move up the uh you know social yeah, chain if you yeah. will uh you're, you're the dry- rest is on you once you leave and you get that little boost or monthly stipend or whatever right. retirement so, so you get you know you don't get paid a lot but you do get paid for the rest of your life if okay. you serve a full 20 and the rules have started to change now to to loosen that up but yeah every you know in my day everybody stayed to the 20 year point yeah uh whether you want to do or not but i would i will say that you know towards the end of my career at my you know, I got to be a squadron commander, and after that, I still had uh, about a year and a half left, and, and that's mm-hmm. when I started mentally transitioning to what I really wanted to do uh, out in the real world. To, so, yeah, so getting out into the real world, did you take a job right away, or did you? I, I did not. So, in okay. true uh, Andre boss up uh, <laughs> mentality, I, uh, you know, I'd gotten to be a boss in the, in the military. Okay. And it, it's all structured, and you know, you're kind of appointed as the boss. You're not creating it from scratch, like right. you know, entrepreneurs and they start by themselves, then they build a team, and mm-hmm. you know, try to you know uh, put a mission and vision out there and have the team buy into that. And exactly. Then, and then you know, whether it's a product or service, you're making something that the world wants, and then you have a client base, and you treat them like family, and you know, all of that. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't have that experience, but I, I wanted to. To once I left the military, I mm-hmm. wanted to give it a shot, and you know, I, I wanted to start my own business. I want—I knew I wanted to invest. At this point, I've been a lifelong investor, so mm-hmm. you know, twenty-five years since I started in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, so the that twenty-five dollars a month that my math teacher uh, kind of said I should start with had grown significantly. What'd you put it uh, into? Like just savings or I, an investment? Or I started stock? with USAA mutual funds. Mutual way, funds way back yeah. in the day, and uh-huh. somewhere in there, I transitioned out of mutual funds and individual stocks because they're mm-hmm. a little more efficient. You know, less fees, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just kept at it mm-hmm. and and kind of grew into. So I was really financially independent when I, you know, hit 43, age 43 Mm -hmm. and I'm like, you know, I really don't have to work again, but that's not me as a person. I I love to work. Uh, You know, Andre's Andre's, like 40 pounds heavier just sitting around. (laughs) Right. What what would I do all day? So, so yeah, I wanted to, what I call, uh, and then I have to credit a friend of mine, uh, Matt Bentley for saying this in an interview is, Mm -hmm. you know, betting on yourself. And it's like, you know, that's, that's exactly what I've been trying to say, but Mm -hmm. I didn't know the words. I wanted to bet on myself nice. uh, in the, in the military. I was limited by Congress on how much we're paid and you could only move through the ranks so fast. And I love working. I, I love grinding. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's like, let's do this, but it didn't mean more pay, whether right. I worked 12 hours or 16 hours a day, mm-hmm. the pay was the same and or four hours a day. And some people were doing that. Yeah. So I wanted to get out into the real world where I wasn't under the you know protection of being told what to wear and what to do every day. Mm-hmm. 
and, and, and see if I, see if I could make it. And I, and I told Irene, uh, you know, cause most of my friends went off to fly, uh, airlines, oh, okay. pilots. you know, I've yeah. got multi-million dollar training. I can go right. fly an airline. I went and got my license to fly, um, airliners just in case. Oh, you can Delta United. I mean, yeah. yeah. So, and I, my buddy from United's like, dude, you got to do this. It's the best job ever. Right. Um, and you make good money, which you do. Um, and it was the, you know, I wanted to go out and I'm like, I, I don't want to do that because that to me would be boring. Mm. And so a couple of my fighter pilot buddies have said, you know, it's the greatest job in the world for about three days. <laughs> and and then, then you get to hang out in an airport, which, you know, everybody's got their special yeah. air, airport personality. So, uh, so I told, you know, I didn't tell Irene, I, I asked Irene, you know, we decided as the team, I was like, here's what I'd like to do. I want three years. Mm-hmm. And I want to start my own business. It's just going to be me. I'm going to work from the house. I'm going to be a financial planner and an investment advisor. And I'm going to see if I can grow this business until my salary, you know, exceeds what I would have made being an airline pilot. Right. And I said, if I fail, which I, I don't think I'll fail, obviously I wouldn't do it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I have a strong track record of not failing. I go, but I don't know this. I can't guarantee, you right. know, that I succeed. And for all the entrepreneurs out there, you don't know. And, mm-hmm. But don't let that slow you down. Just keep going. Do what you think you should do. Don't wait for perfect information. Just get up every day and go for, go for right, it. Just go for it. And you know what? It, the what I know now, and, and it worked out well, and I was able to do all that. Now I've got five people working for me, mm-hmm. and you know, build it out into a, a, a true business, if you will. Um, but from all the other other entrepreneurs that I know and help invest, it's like you only have to get there once. You only have to you, get there once. You can yeah. fail along the way, and that's okay. Right. And, and you know, entrepreneurs are the best at so, you know something doesn't work out, and they're like, okay. And, you know, off to something else. Right. <laughs> yeah, where the, a lot of people in society that haven't had that experience, that's, you know, if, if they fail, that they, they take it personally. Yeah, they're ready to yeah. So the world is over. Right. Um, but I always say, like, some of the key, I always say, hey, success is basically like a pot of gumbo, right? There's a lot of different ingredients, but the two ingredients that I feel like works for most entrepreneurs is consistency and persistence. You sprinkle a little bit of that on whatever your system is and adjust along the way, but keep at it. You're going to yield something out of it. And a lot of times it equals success. Yeah, I like that. I I, I say it a little bit differently. Um, I talk about, you know, long term. You know, a lot of people are really good at the long term goal setting. Like Andre's like, I want to be a a super successful real estate agent. It's like, okay, good. Right. But it's the what are the 10,000 steps or 10,000 hurdles is what I call them. Cause I used to run hurdles and track back in the day. <laughs> uh, not a big fan, but, but you know, each one's a threat and each one can take you out. So, you know, when, when folks are setting a goal as an entrepreneur, it's like, you want to, you know, my daughter, Allison, who's at the freshman at the university of Alabama, her ultimate goal, she wants to run in a, a hotel someday with our last name on it, you know, anchor nice. hotel. <laughs> and I said, well, there's, that's great. It's good to have vision. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's 10,000 steps between you, where you are now and that point. And how do you, you know, persist and knock them down every single day mm-hmm. uh, to, to make the the big dream a reality? Mm-hmm. And you can't be deterred along the way. Yeah. I, one quick, uh, one thing I learned from, I can't remember who it was, uh, but I was listening to a podcast and he was telling the story. And I've done this to folks mm-hmm. that, that are like, hey, you built a successful business from scratch. Can I talk to, can I buy you lunch? Right. So, right. And so we go out on lunch and they tell me, I'm like, well, tell me your plan. What's your plan? And then you went, went as soon as they're done, I say, you shouldn't do that. You're not the right person for this. Whoa. <laughs> and, and they, of course they look at me just like that. And then I say, okay, I didn't mean that, right. but I want, what was your, I want you to reflect on what was your initial reaction? Smart. When I said I like that. that, did you say, 
holy crap, this guy that I respect that, you know, at least enough to mm-hmm. just told me I shouldn't do this. He's like, well, maybe he's right. I'll go off and do something else. I'm like, okay, that's not good. <laughs> if you said that guy's a jerk, F him. My mindset was like, I'll show him. <laughs> right. It's just like, okay, then move on. I go, I presented a artificial hurdle mm-hmm. for you just to see how, if you would let some guy who you don't really know, right say some words to you and if that knocks you off your dream uh-huh. you need to kind of think about that yeah focus how on bad it. do you really want it right <laughs> right because this was just some made up made up thing that you know i just off the cuff said no you shouldn't do it and you're like what uh, but if, if, if that pissed you off and you're like you know okay mm-hmm. this guy is not what i thought he was i need to you know i need to get back to my dream and, and move on i'm like you're gonna be fine good good so. let me ask you this i'm speaking of challenges and hurdles mm-hmm. as you as you uh coined the phrase uh what was that key moment i'm sure in your business or establishing it there is a time where you're on the edge of the bed and telling irene like oh, i don't know did you have that point or where is was it just up and up when you first nope. started. I, I had three things that happened that I took very personally mm-hmm. and changed changed who I was eventually. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, in a perfect world, it'd be one thing, right? right. You, you'd not get <laughs> one thing and you would change and become super aggressive. And, and you know, all, and pretty much after that point, you know, you would change your life to to make things happen. Right. Nope. Took three. So, okay. so, it's, so it's like, OK, if you've had a couple of setbacks, don't don't sweat it. Right. Um, the first one is I wanted to go to the Air Force Academy. Mm-hmm. Um, couldn't get in. Or didn't get in. Mm. I got put on the wait list. So I was a senior in high school, um, put on the wait list. And then, you know, final five alternate. And they offered me the prep school. Uh, and I was like, no, that that's not for me. And mm. I was really mad about that. I'm mm. like, I thought I had done everything I could. Now I know that, you know, and like with our kids, you know, it's like, dad, I'm doing everything I can. And you know that they have like, they're not even like halfway yeah, to their potential, yeah, right? Like so but, they, early. but they think they are, right? Well, I was that guy. So... Uh, I didn't get that. Um, and then when I got to college, there's a, you know, command structure amongst cadets. And I was the favorite to be the wing commander. And mm-hmm. I th- honestly, I still don't know exactly why to the day they, they pick somebody else over me. Um, but I viewed that as, you know, maybe I don't need to take things for granted. I need to mm-hmm. fight, you know, run through, play through the whistle, run through the finish yeah. line. And it was just like, I didn't get that. And I was, I was really mad about it. And then um, both of those were just me not putting forth the work. The The third one was I got picked up for pilot training. Mm-hmm. And this is what I would say holds back, you know, for the, the new entrepreneurs or budding entrepreneurs that are mm-hmm. listening to this. Um, I almost lost my dream because I couldn't make a mental transition. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is I had worked as a maintenance officer for a couple of years in the Air Force. I didn't mm-hmm. go to pilot training right away. Had to what I call work for a living before I got to fly for a living, which doesn't seem like a job. But mm-hmm. but I was out there and I was doing great work and I'd, I'd risen to the top of my field at right. a young age. And then I got into pilot training. And when I when I started my pilot training and I put a flight suit on, and this is the exact transition that, I'm, that, that I struggled with. When I looked in the mirror, mm-hmm. I saw a maintenance officer wearing a flight suit. Wow. I did not see a pilot. Mm-hmm. And since I didn't see... I wasn't able to project myself into the future uh-huh. there of, okay, I'm a pilot now. Right. Uh, I struggled and it was all self-confidence and it was all self-induced. It was 100% created by, yeah. by, by me. And here's somebody that was pretty successful who uh-huh. was struggling with that. So, so just because you're, you're good at something else, when you make that transition, you know, people call it like imposter syndrome or, you know, mm-hmm. things like that you hear in the, in the, you know, entrepreneurial self-help world, that's real. 
And mm. it wasn't, I almost washed out of the flight screening program. And, and one of my good friends who I went through the program with, uh, his name's Joe uh-huh. and you know, everybody, there were 40 of us or so in the class and like most of them graduated on time and went on. There were three of us that had to stay until Monday uh. to do an extra ride, um, which, you know, he certainly in Joe's mind, he was like, you know, Steve's a nice guy, but I got a guy can't fly to save his life. And, and at the point that was true, mm-hmm. but it was all mental. And I walked in that Monday and I flew the ride and it flew the sortie and it was terrible. And mm-hmm. I landed and the, and the instructor at the time said, I, I know you have the raw skill. You just got something going on upstairs, like, blockage. like an athlete in a slump yeah. or anything. He's like, I know you've got the skill. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, he said, so at the end of the sortie, you, you have a ground evaluation, which is supposed mm-hmm. to be like half an hour long and they test your knowledge. And he's like, you know, you a gambling man. And I'm like, well, not, I'm not, not a gambling man. What do you, you know, what are you, what are you talking about? And he said, I can ask you one question or I can ask you all the normal questions. And, you know, if, you, if I ask you one question, if you get it right, you'll go, you'll go to pilot training. If you get it wrong, you're out. Hmm. And, you know, I said, I'll take the one question. That's <laughs> right. kind of my personality. Yeah. And he said, do you want to go to pilot training? I'm like, yes. And he's like, that was the question. Wow. So, so off I went. So, so I traveled, this was in Hondo, Texas, uh, right Uh by San Antonio. And then I traveled down to Del Rio, which is, you know, Del Rio by the sea. We call it down along the border Mm -hmm. uh, across from Ciudad Acuna. And I get down there and my buddy Joe sees me Uh and he's like, Hey Steve, what are you doing here? Oh, like, well, I'm here for pilot training. He's like, Oh, you passed. I mean, he was like so surprised. (laughs) And And then I joined another, you know, there was a, at pilot training, I was a distinguished graduate and did extremely well. And, you know, that, that was the final one as I was like, okay, I didn't mentally make the transition mm. and that almost cost me everything. So I was able to leverage that experience for my eventual, you know, 20 years later, mm-hmm. uh, when I got out is like, I saw myself as a, you know, world-class financial advisor that mm-hmm. can explain anything in simple terms to people and put mm-hmm. them in the right investments in accordance with the risk tolerance and, and right. interface with people and answer questions. And, and, you know, I saw that. So when I started, it was, it was not easy. Mm-hmm. Won't ever promise easy to the entrepreneurial no, crowd. not at all. But if you can see it, then you can become it. Mm-hmm. And if you believe it, you know, that's the battle. Yeah, that is the battle. So, I mean, financial investments. I mean, obviously you can do your own and, they're, they're, you know, you're gambling on you or you, sure. you, you're mm-hmm. making an educated decision based on the facts or indicators. How do you convince other people that, hey, let me show you how to make money? Well, it's, a, you know, lately I've come across in the past year or so is I used to think it was products and services in, in the world. You know, mm-hmm. you either sell something or you provide a service for somebody. And and then I, I don't know who I was listening to, probably Gary Vee, if you've heard of yeah. it. Yeah. You know, <laughs> somebody started talking about this knowledge industry and I was like, okay, I need to think more about that. And mm-hmm. so that's what I realized I'm in. I'm actually in the knowledge industry. So mm-hmm. Similar to, you you're know, an educator, basically. Yeah. And you're helping folks with things that they could probably do on their own, but they might have to dedicate like thousands of right. hours, uh, you know, into it. And, they, you know, whether it's like using a, a realtor or selling your home by yourself, it's like you can do it. Yeah, you can do and it. And you might be able to do it really well, but you have to have the time and inclination. Right. But to my do job it. is to do it every day. So like you can do it part time and right? whatever. It's, but It's like like I've seen the mistakes, you know, and, and it's just like. So, you know, I don't ever, when I, when I talk to people, I don't like really sell myself. I, I don't mm-hmm. actively approach people. Mm-hmm. Um, but the most, about the most aggressive I will get is generally it's 
referrals that that come in. People have already said they got to work with Steve. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's the you know if I am talking to somebody, I'll be like, well, who's your financial advisor? And mm-hmm. for the do-it-yourselfer yeah, crowd, yeah. they'll say, well, I don't have one. I'm like, actually, you do, mm-hmm. and you you should probably talk to them about your current situation. They're just like, what are you talking about? You know, like that yeah. doesn't make sense to me. I'm like, well, you are the financial advisor, so. You know, if you have your own portfolio. So exactly. are, are you on top of the markets? Do you have an opinion of what's going on? Do you, mm-hmm. you know, how's your track record been through previous downturns and upswings and, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. And people are like, you know, usually take that with the, yeah. yeah you know, <laughs> like, let's but, talk. I don't know. But, but I, uh, I never, I always tell folks, I'm like, Hey, if you believe in one run your own investments, just do it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Do your own thing. I, I totally get that. Not trying to enter. If you have an advisor and you like your advisor and you have a good relationship and there's open communications working, hey. those things are generally more important than mm-hmm. the, you know, the 0.1% extra or whatever that, uh, you know, so I'm not here to cause a divorce. I go, you know, between you and your advisor, Yeah. but there's a lot more out there and the underserved clientele is what I, what I've seen is that if you're below 5 million in net worth, mm-hmm. You can go into J.P. Morgan or, you know, Goldman Sachs or Wells Fargo, but they really, you know, they make most of their money from that, you know, just the, the multimillionaire crowd. Uh, and where I kind of service is the 500 to, you know, two and a half million type crowd, right. the, the you know, upper middle class that have been you know working for years. It's a now. bigger reach. You know, you got the multimillionaires, billionaires. It's like one percent, maybe a yeah. smaller percent. Yeah. percentage you don't have that many opportunities to try to convince them exactly <laughs> and, and you know i i came from you know i, I was blessed i came from middle class mm-hmm. you know opportunity you know beginnings and you know was able to parlay that into what i've done today and it's just like i can show show folks how to do that or mm-hmm. help them you know get as far as as far as they can um but yeah it's it's a knowledge industry and a lot of people are like well you can use a robo advisor and i'm like you can of course um but i say you know just like when webmd came out a decade ago, you haven't been to a doctor since, right? And they're mm-hmm. like, well, no, I still go. It's like, yeah, you yeah. still need a doctor, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, just to explain the stuff to you. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah, but it's a, it's an amazing industry. It's it, much like yours. It, it's helping people mm-hmm. on major, major career and life goals. Mm-hmm. And, and often in, in my side of the business, I have their entire net wealth uh, where m- myself and my team are responsible for that. And mm-hmm. we, we take that very seriously. And uh, to parlay it into you know, my past and what I've been able to do, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in flying in combat. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I say pilots are the best, uh, best, best risk managers out there, right? Because you're, you know, if it goes bad, you could die today, right? Yeah, so, yeah, so. So, so we get the risk part, trust right. me. Right? Nothing as bad as that. I don't care right? if the market dips so, for two weeks. So, so I, I don't freak out when mm-hmm. there's something that, that, you know, turns the market upside down or the mm-hmm. Fed is saying this or the, you know, or whatever, some country goes under or a bank goes yeah. under, you know, I, I can deal with all those things largely because I know to, you know, what the strategy is. I know how to stick to the strategy. Right. I know how to talk to people um, when they are being emotional. Yeah, and, that's and, the thing. I was going to yeah. ask you, what's the biggest <laughs> thing that affects your customers or your clientele? It, and you mentioned psychologically, like in the beginning, that that affects a lot of people. Is that probably the number one issue? It It, it is. Mm-hmm. And but it doesn't really show up. It, it It's weird. It It's kind of like uh, the, the average life, you know, folks are young and they're just trying to make some money and they generally spend most of it. And, you know, if, if they're blessed to have received some mentoring or education, they mm-hmm. might start piecing it away into a 401k early on. Right, but a lot right. of people don't even start till, you know, late 30s. Yeah, that's true. Right? And I get that. And I try to help people with that. But by the time they come to me, they're, mm-hmm. they either did or they didn't. So I don't, you know, it doesn't kind of matter what happened in the past. We're just right. worrying about the future. And it's the, 
the folks that have saved and invested, it, it's when the numbers get bigger. Mm. And that's where when you say your portfolio is down 10%, well, that, you know, if it's yeah. 300,000, that's $30,000. <laughs> and people will say, you know, that's a car. Uh, you know, they start, yeah. they start making all these, you know, it's just a bunch it, of zeros on the back end. Isn't it? <laughs> well, they, they start relating things that uh, uh, can put you in an emotional tough spot and it brings to where you, where you have to, you know, say the market's a roller coaster, but you know, historically, you know, unless, you know, the world ends, uh, you know, it's gone up over time. Markets mm-hmm. undefeated and coming back and setting new highs and, you mm-hmm. know, markets are efficient, meaning bad businesses get killed off. Good businesses continue to move to get bigger. Mm-hmm. That's why markets can always go up and you can take that ride if you want, but you have to stay calm. Stay calm. Um, what, what the analogy I use is, you know, we have these financial channels and the internet and all these notifications. I'm like, mm-hmm. get this. So, you know, you and I fly around the country quite a bit for yeah. volleyball. Yeah. Uh-huh. And, uh, um, if on an airplane, if they had a flight safety channel that was beamed right into the back of the seat mm-hmm. in front of you, right. and you were sitting there watching over and over all these plane crashes and what, you know, how weather can affect, you would never, <laughs> get, you would be like, get me off of this airplane <laughs> yes, right indeed. now. That's what people do with their, in their financial world. You know, mm-hmm. they check into CNBC yeah. and, you know, it, it's media, right? People mm-hmm. don't put on the, the, calm voice of reasons yeah. they put on the world is ending or the world. You know, I mean, I used to watch Kramer. That guy was yeah. insane. So He's like, Oh, it's going. <laughs> yeah. It, it, you know, it's entertainment. Yeah. And there are some lessons to pick up from them, mm-hmm. but really it's the extremists that are on TV and same thing with politics, to be mm-hmm. honest, you know, you get the extremes and then you can lose sight of, well, you know, mm-hmm. 80% is in the middle and everything's going to be fine. Yeah. So you don't need to, don't need to freak out there. Um, but so yeah, yeah, my philosophy is like some of the things I look at is like, oh, it's a legacy move. It's going to go up and down. I don't care about that until the next 15, 20 years. I'm I'm not going to focus mm-hmm. on it. I'm, I'll just feed it. And I did that with crypto and I put it into a platform, BlockFi, and then mm-hmm. come along Sam uh, Friedman, Bankman Friedman yep, or something yep, like that. SPF, yeah. Yeah, stole yeah. a lot of money and now I'm like in uh, bankruptcy proceedings and I got a lot of money tied up with these bankruptcy proceedings. Yeah. I'm like, man, I was just going to forget about it and keep feeding it. But I guess you can't do that. There is. Uh, so the, t- to your initial point of treat it as a legacy thing, and that's absolutely right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, so what you what I advise folks is you want to do the tried and true proven stuff for at least 90 percent of your portfolio, okay. meaning your traditional best of breed blue chip companies, you know, mm-hmm. things you've heard of. You know, things you touch every day, you know, Apple, Amazon, yeah. uh, you know, yeah. those sorts of things that aren't going to go bankrupt. Right. Um, and there's really not generally fraud involved in those. Crypto was unique because it was so attractive mm-hmm. uh, as a getaway from the the monetary yeah, systems of the yeah. world. So, I mean, and I was into both uh, Bitcoin and Ethereum, not mm-hmm. by holding the individual, um, you know, into an account with like Coinbase or anything, but mm-hmm. through the stock market with a, there's a grayscale company that has Bitcoin trust, Ethereum trust. So you kind of mm-hmm. hold it indirectly. Um, you get to take advantage of the price swings. Right. Um, but the, and there, there could be some long-term uses for crypto. Mm-hmm. We just don't know. But if you get too far off of the, you know, the, the Bitcoin, Ethereum ripple, uh, and get, <laughs> get down into the, the crap coins, if you will, yeah, yeah, it's, it's tough. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and then dealing with institutions, um, that's why, you know, one of the things we say about Anchor Star Wealth is like, look, you, you can trust us. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if anything, you know, you know, it's a cheesy top gun line, but if, <laughs> if the government trusts me with my $50 million airplane, you can trust me too. There you right. Go. And that's the one thing in the, that, that is so destructive in the financial world is if mm-hmm. you get involved with the wrong people, 
your money can either be gone yeah. or tied up or gone for long enough to where you don't know if you're going to get it back or you don't get all of it back. And mm-hmm. lives are destroyed over stuff like that. Yeah, so no. really the the time it takes to build that trust and confidence and make sure you're with somebody that's on the mm-hmm. up and up uh, yeah. is, is very important. For I us. guess that's why I defer, diver, they always say diversify. Like, I guess that's why that's important, you know? Mm-hmm. Any, and, yeah. Any, I'm sorry to cut you off. Any mm-hmm. investor ever out there is going to tell you to diversify. And most people are naturally diversified with, you know, if you own a home, then mm-hmm. that's your, you know, your real estate portion right. of it. Um, some people use insurance. I don't personally, but I get it. Uh, some people can have insurance policies that are another leg of the, of the wealth building stool. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the others, generally your investment, right. your portfolio, stocks, bonds, you can put alternatives, real estate, private equity, venture capital, it's all available to you. Um, but really, you know, the anchor of that is the house. Uh, it's like the, the portfolio could explode and, you know, everything could be wrong, but you know what, we have the house that we live in and, right. you know, you know, whether you pay it off early or not, that's a personal choice and mm-hmm. depends on the interest rate you get. But the, uh, you know, that's the anchor of wealth building. Mm, <laughs> for, it's tangible. For, it's the anchor. Yeah, for, yeah <laughs> it, it keeps me safe. Yeah. I can see it. Um, you know, so that's really, uh, you know, if you get that right. And then, of course, as you grow and build wealth and if you want to get other, you know, investment properties or second homes and things mm-hmm. like that. Uh, or land that that's very attractive yeah. because, because you can see it. You can but, see it, but certainly diversifying across the board is is the way to go. Mm, good, good. So your your company is what twenty years strong now? Not quite. Uh, I retired after twenty years. I'm not that old. Okay. The, uh, <laughs> I'm trying the, to figure it out. Like, okay, I, I'm 53, so I retired when I was 43 from the Air Force. So I did my, you know, I went to college, so I went in at 22. Mm-hmm. Um, retired at 43, so I did a little over 20 years, and then now 10 years in. And during that path, it, it's gone from me uh, working upstairs at, at my house, just uh-huh. trying to make it happen and, and convince my wife that this is a good idea mm-hmm. uh, and that I can <laughs> that I can make this happen to uh, starting to hire folks a couple years ago. And now we have uh, three other advisors. I have my operations manager, Candace, who's amazing, who is mm-hmm. the glue that holds everybody together and allows me to focus uh, you know, focus mm-hmm. on the taking care of current clients and also pursuing yeah. new ones, build the business, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have Allison that helps us, my social media manager, you know, get the word out, mm-hmm. you know, publishing things like this and, nice. and getting more exposure. Um, and then next year I've contracted for a building. So mm-hmm. after, after 10 years of working uh, out of my house and, and remotely with everybody else on the team, one of my advisors in Dallas, the other one's uh, downtown Austin. Then we have one in Salt Lake City. Mm-hmm. Um, we're finally going to have a building. Going to have a building. So like, that's your staple you know, right there. <laughs> they, well, some people, you know, I, I commonly joke and say, I'm, I'm going to be all grown up finally <laughs> when, I, when I have a building yeah. with, with my name on it. But transitioning the the from doing investment management, which we do very well, and financial mm-hmm. planning, which we do very well, to also do uh, family office stuff where the CPA for people's taxes, as well as the estate lawyer mm-hmm. are now all on the team. So when I have the building, I'm going to have those two individuals uh, on the team. So it's a one-stop nice. shop. Hmm. That's really right for kind of the, you know, the multimillionaire and above, but mm-hmm. even at the two and 3 million to be able to come in and meet everybody one time. Yeah. Cause you know, everybody's so busy. You don't have to go to different buildings. <laughs> you can just, yeah, boom, it's just right like here. one time everybody's talking to each other. Uh, you know, it's really, that's kind of the next level nice. of the business. Nice. All right, man. I want you to give, you've dropped a lot of gems throughout the interview. I've caught them. Hopefully the, the listeners have caught like, you know, the mind of an entrepreneur, you know, the do's and don'ts and the trials and tribulations. If there was a sentence or a few things you'd like to share to an inspiring entrepreneur, what would it be? You know, what, what would you tell them? 
I use three words all the time. So when, uh, when folks either ask that question or, you know, you might see online on LinkedIn, you know, give your, give your best advice in seven words or less. I generally say I don't need seven. Uh Um, and that's always move forward. Hmm. And that's when I sign like, uh, you know, graduation gifts for kids and stuff, you know, it's, it's like always move forward. And you know, that probably doesn't resonate. They're probably looking for the cash or whatever, but (laughs) in case they read it, um, but it, it really goes back to it's the, a different way of saying the point that you made earlier, which many of us that have been been there, done that, mm-hmm. um, realize. And that's every day there needs to be action taking, taken taken uh, to move towards your goal. Mm. Not not the big goal, right? Yeah. <laughs> the little goal, the monthly yeah. goal, whether you're you know, if you're in a business or you're selling something, you have quotas or, you know, it, make some intermediate goals that you, mm. you know, you can either achieve or not. Right. That's not the point. It's that you're moving toward it uh, every day. If you need to reset the goal, then reset the goal. Um, But it's really, uh, you know, setting your alarm every day, getting out of bed, going through normal habit patterns and, uh, you know, making sure that you always move forward. No day should go by Mm. uh, where you haven't done something to work towards your dream. You can't eat the whole cookie at once. You got to take little bites. Right. You're not going to get rich quick. You're not going to run a million dollar business overnight. Yeah. There's all the pain that's involved. And it's fun. Once you realize it, it it becomes fun. Yeah. Yeah. You can look back on it and go, man, those are some rough years getting started. (laughs) The journey is a beautiful thing. It's definitely a beautiful thing. It really is. And that's what you smile about uh, looking back. Right. Is that, yeah, if I, if I knew what I knew now, it'd be a lot easier, but uh, so many people don't act because they want to, you know, they keep researching, they keep (laughs) analysis paralysis. Yeah. So it's like, I didn't know any of that stuff. And I just, I just moved forward. And that's a common theme. It's just kind of like, I'm the kind of guy that, Hey, you put me on the ledge. I'm just going to jump. I'm, I think I'm prepared, yeah. but I'm going to gamble on me. I'm just going to take the chance. Yeah, figure it out. Yeah, that's figure it out. Yeah. Figure it out while I'm in there and I'm falling fast. <laughs> I'll figure it out. That's right. Well, hey, Steve, man, um, where can people find you if they, they want to find out more financial advice or figure out how they could even sit down and get a cup of coffee with you? Yeah, you bet. I uh, would love to. And, you know, I have a unique last name. So you hit Anchor yeah. Star up on the Internet and you're going to you're going to find anything from podcast to our actual website. Nice. Uh, yeah, stuff like that. But uh, AnchorStarWealth.com is the website. Mm-hmm. Uh, hit me up on LinkedIn. Uh, Cruiser is my call sign uh, from all of us from the aviation. Yeah. World so <laughs> Cruiser Anchor Star or the Anchor Star Wealth uh, Facebook page. But yeah, for folks that are out there budding entrepreneurs, um, d- do your thing, make your dream happen. And, you know, then all your money and effort is going to go towards that. At some point, though, you need to take care of your future self. Nice, <laughs> so yes, particularly to the boss up listeners is, yeah, do do your thing. Um, once you've once you've gotten there or once you've made this steady flow of revenue, that's when you need to go back and, and look for some unique opportunities. With entrepreneurs, there's a couple different ones that are kind of, you know, you don't mm-hmm. have a 401k normally. You don't. So SEP IRA, simple IRA, there's things that I uh, would be happy to uh I'd buy you the cup of coffee to get you on the uh, on the right path with things. Good deal, good deal. Well, hey, thanks again, Steve Anchorstar, Andre Key. Hey, and remember, just move forward. And I like what you said. Take care of your older self. So many times people don't think that far in advance. And especially as an entrepreneur, sometimes you have those blinders on and you're caught on your vision. But at some point, if you're blessed, we're all going to get old and... I'm trying to train my daughter, but I don't know. <laughs> I need some nurses. I need to be prepared for that time. But I mean, again, thank you. I appreciate Wes, my producer. Thank you to all the listeners. And it's a wrap.